I want to preach a message to you this weekend on confronting confusion. We're in an age of anxiety, an age of outrage, really an age of confusion. And it's not a sin to be confused. Uh, pastors get confused. Great fathers get confused. Great moms get confused. Uh, like God's kids throughout the Bible, good men and women got confused. It didn't mean that they were in sin. It just meant that they had to figure out how they were going to get unconfused. Does that sound confusing? <laughs> and so they had to figure out how to confront the confusion. Everybody say confront the confusion. All right. So let's go in our Bibles. First Corinthians 14 verse 33. Yes, we get loud about the word of God. First Corinthians 14 for God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of anxiety. He's not the author of confusion. If it's confusion, it's not from God. If God's not the author of confusion, who is? Yeah, Satan. Satan loves to try to stir up confusion, stress, anxiety. He wants us to be perplexed. He wants us to live without purpose, without clarity. He wants us constantly second-guessing ourselves, living in a doubt mindset where we're not sure, am I supposed to be in this job? Am I supposed to be in this uh, relationship? Am I supposed to be in this school? Is this the right? Did I make the wrong decision? And if the enemy can confuse us, then he can cripple us from fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. And that's why the enemy stirs up so much confusion. Just uh, this last summer, a couple months ago, um, my wife and I, we signed up for a whitewater rafting trip. And, and it was exciting. It was like category four, whitewater rafting, rapids uh, in the mountains. And so you have to pay before you get in the raft. And so like, we were like, all right, we paid for it. We signed the waiver. If something bad happens, we're not going to sue this company, you know? And so we, we're about to get in the raft and our guide comes up and he's in his mid seventies. And I was like, are we, are, are you good? He's like, I got this man. I was like, okay. And he goes, how many times do you think I've been down the river? I said, I don't know, maybe a thousand times. He goes, this is my 10,000th time. I was like, all right. And he goes, let me tell you something about the river. He said, this river has so many twists and turns. There's places where you can't even see big rocks beneath the surface. I know where we're going. I've been down this river 10,000 times. And he said, how many times have you been down this river, sir? I said, zero. And he said, that's why you need to listen to me. Because there will be moments where you will be so confused at what's going on. The raft will start spinning. If things will get out of control. And he said, I've seen a lot of people jump out of the raft when they think that's the right time. He said, it's never the right time to jump out of the raft. Secondly, people jump out of the raft during the dumbest moments to jump out of the raft. He said, don't jump out of the raft when things are confusing and chaotic. Stay in the raft. I said, okay, all right. And he said, trust me because I've been down this territory before. You're going to be going down uncharted territory. You're going to be going down places you've never been before. And because you're going down places you've never been before, you need to trust someone who's been down this path before. And sure enough, on the rafting trip, Ashley and I almost died. <laughs> it was crazy. I'm going to tell you about it later, but let's get into the sermon here. Um, here's, here's what confusion does. Confusion distracts us. It distorts our clarity, our vision on life, our purpose. 
it distorts relationships. It starts getting us assuming stuff about people. It distorts our ability to trust people. So now we're suspicious. And, and the confusion not only distracts, it not only distorts, it begins to deplete us. It depletes you of energy. It depletes your time. All of a sudden, you're spending hours confused. You're, you're searching for the right answer, the information, and you're going down rabbit trails of controversies and conspiracy theories. And in a year that has been insane, in a year that has been uncharted territory for every generation, like I called a, a pastor who's in his late 60s. I said, what do I do? And he said, why are you asking me? I said, because you're my dad's age and I feel like you guys know what to do. He said, Paul, we've never been through something like this. This is an unprecedented time in history. I asked my grandma, grand grand, what do we do? She said, I know what it was like in the Great Depression. I grew up, she was born in the, in the 1920s. She said, I know what it was like in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. But she said, this is uncharted territory and you're going to have to have the wisdom of God because it is confusing times in America right now. It's not just confusing in America. It's confusing in every country of the earth. And she said, but you'll have wisdom. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, cause I'm feeling kind of confused. I think like, I'm confident with the decision. And then literally something new pops up, new information, new, a surge over here, a surge over there, masks over here, no masks over here, political divisiveness over here, people telling me this, people saying this, CNN saying this, Fox News is saying this, MSNBC is saying this, the prophet over here is saying this, Andrew Womack saying this, Stephen Furtick saying this, TDJ, we got to get wisdom from heaven in order to cut through the clutter of confusion in 2020. And let me tell you, there is a spiritual attack going on on God's kids right now. During the conference last week, we had our victory conference and you might be watching this like two years from now. So, but during the 2020 victory conference, I was in my seat and I'm going to go back here because I want to come back to say hi to all y'all back here. I was sitting, how you guys doing back here? Come on. I love you guys. Y'all are amazing. But I was sitting in my seat and, um, Ashley was sitting next to me. Um, Darius Daniels was preaching and it was really good, but I was sitting in my seat and I could not pay attention. Now I know this never happens to y'all <laughs> ever. <laughs> hey dude, good to see you. Come on. Um, and yet here I am, he's preaching a, an amazing message and I cannot pay attention. I'm distracted. And, and like my mind is like just going crazy. Not even, not like no, no sinful thoughts, just distracted. I can't listen to him. And Ashley can feel it. She's like, what is going on? Why are you, why are you not paying attention? I said, I don't know. I'm like emotional. I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't even know what's going on. I feel like there's a hurricane in my head right now. I feel like there's a storm. And she said, did someone say something? Did something happen? I said, I don't know what it is. And that night I went home. And Darius didn't say anything. He didn't notice that I wasn't paying attention. But one of my friends texted me and said, hey, man, I could tell something was on your mind during service because you, you, seemed, you seemed down. You seemed, you seemed like stuff was on your mind. And I'm so grateful for friends who can spot that kind of stuff. I said, you're right, man. I just, I don't know. I'm like battling some confusion. 
It's not a sin to be confused. Peter was confused. Elijah was confused. Moses was confused. Gideon was confused. Esther even got confused. But what do we do with that confusion? So I started studying in my Bible and I was like, I think I am dealing with a spiritual attack, like a spirit of confusion is trying to cause me to not have clarity and be able to pay attention to what God wants to speak to me in this hour. And if it's happening to me, chances are it's probably happening to some other people in the church. And so as I started to pray and and read, I started seeing people in the Bible who lived in confusion and never got out of it. They started out good. Like look at King Saul in the Bible. King Saul was a good guy. He started out on the right path. He was God's chosen man for Israel, the first king of Israel. And he honored God up until a certain moment. Once he committed a sin, he began to go down this spiraling pathway of confusion. And that confusion led to jealousy. He couldn't trust his wife. He couldn't trust his son, Jonathan. He couldn't trust David, who was trying to protect him. And here's what confusion does. Confusion becomes, it becomes toxic in your bones. You start pushing away people who are trying to help you. You start hating the people who love you, and you start hating yourself. Again, confusion's not bad, but if you don't confront confusion, it will turn into very destructive habits in your life. King Saul self-destructed because he did not confront the confusion. He continued to go down the path. Another person was King Herod. King Herod, he became confused with jealousy, threatened by a baby. And he ended up losing his rule as a king. King Nebuchadnezzar, during Daniel's time, confused with his own achievements. He had succeeded so much in his own eyes. He was so prideful. His head became so confused, he lost his mind. He started acting like a llama. It's a crazy story. In Daniel chapter uh, 5, he starts acting like a llama. This is like Emperor's New Groove. The king becomes a llama. Y'all remember that movie? Y'all remember Kronk? What do I do? I got the angel over here and the angel over here. (laughs) The confusing, you know, like the good angel and the bad angel. You know, I love cartoons. Uh, (laughs) But people in the Bible got so confused. Thank God Nebuchadnezzar came back to his senses, just like Emperor Cusco on Emperor's New Groove. Um, But these characters in the Bible, Cain, Cain became confused why God was blessing his brother, not blessing him. I don't know what's confusing you. Maybe it's just you've got a lot of anxiety. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's uh, you're, you're just not understanding a certain decision in your life. You're not understanding what you should do. You're facing a crossroads, and you just don't know what to do. Judas faced confusion, and he never made it out. The confusion led to suicide. But then I want to talk about the people who experience confusion and learn to overcome it. I think one of the characters that I love in the Bible who faced so much confusion was Moses. Moses faced the confusion of his own insecurities, his own inadequacies. He didn't know why God would choose him, even though he had made all these mistakes. And yet he starts wrestling with these confusing thoughts and God speaks sense into him and convinces him, Moses, get out of your head, get back into your purpose. You've been in a detour. And by the way, the last part of confusion, not only does it distract, not only does it deplete and distort, but ultimately it wants to get us detoured away from God's purpose and calling on our life. Moses spent 40 years in a detour because of confusion. People waste their life because of confusion. People waste a marriage because of confusion. Waste a season of school because of confusion. This this message is so important, not just for now, but for people who will watch this in the future. 
that we've got to face. Why am I confused? In the Bible, David got confused, but he got out of it. Again, David was a man after God's own heart, but yet he would deal with torment in the mind. He would say, why am I so disturbed? Why can I not think? Why can I not pay attention? Why am I so depressed and discouraged and confused? And then he would remind himself, put your hope in the Lord. Get your mind back. Thomas was confused with doubt. Peter was confused at times from his own mistakes. Paul the apostle was confused with the temptations that he was facing. But every single one of these guys found a way out of it. And here's the key. We've got to come back to God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. So if we're going to confront confusion, we cannot do it with all of these other ideologies. We've got to come back to who's the author of peace. That's the one that I want to listen to. In an age of so much anxiety, so much information, like everyone is on Twitter all the time, Instagram, Facebook, we're getting so much consumption of stuff that it confuses the heck out of us. And we've got to come back to the truth of God's word. So in order to deal with confusion, number one, we've got to confront our thoughts. To confront confusion, you've got to confront where does confusion start? It starts in the mind. When I was sitting in the church service, It wasn't actions that were causing me to be confused. It was thoughts, imaginations, suspicions, questions, uncertainties. In a a season right now where there's just, you know, COVID-19, school closing, school opening, uh, political questions, who's going to be in office this fall, and uh, what laws are being passed, and what should we do about this, and what should we be doing about that, and then there's, you know, new things every single week. We've got to take control of every thought that's not of God. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations. Let's stop right there. We have power to cast down imaginations. I don't have to let imaginations play on repeat in my head. My kids, they were watching a DVD last week, and it just started like, like literally started repeating itself over and over and over and over. Somehow it got stuck in a scene, and that scene just kept on saying, I was like, we are turning this off. I am the owner of this DVD player, and I will cast this DVD out in Jesus' name. Some of us are stuck in a scene. We've got a movie playing in our head. We're sitting in church and we can't pay attention because we've got this, it's like this movie is going on in our head and the movie has somehow started like repeating itself. And so we're just going over and over and over. But you're the director of the film. You're You're the director of the film in your head. I remember uh, watching a, a, a movie that was being filmed in Tulsa and I got to see it. I had walked up and they were filming and they had the actors out there and I saw the director. He was sitting in the director's chair and he goes, cut, 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 cut. That's not how it's going to be. You're going to stand over here. And all of a sudden he just took charge of the scene. And I was like, wow, that guy's got a lot of like power. Everyone does what he wants them to do. Did you know you have power over your thoughts? You get to tell your thoughts, no, I'm cutting this out of the movie. We're no longer going to keep this rated R. It's going to PG in Jesus' name. Every thought that is demonic and confusing and dark, you're not bad for having a thought, but if you keep that thought on repeat, it's going to lead to some bad decisions in your life because every behavior starts with a thought. Every habit, every sin starts with a thought. And guess who's in charge of your thoughts? You are. You're the director. You're in the director's chair. So start confronting those thoughts, casting down imaginations. 
every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing it into captivity. Every thought, everybody say every thought. To confront confusion, you got to confront every thought. In the middle of the thought, go, hold up. This is confusing. And confusion's not from God. This is literally, the devil is trying to manipulate me to ruin a friendship out of an imagination that's not true. This imagination is not true. Cast down every untruthful imagination. If you don't, it will lead to more outrage. It will lead to more anxiety. And you'll begin to push people away. And you'll push the help away. You've got to confront confusion by confronting your thoughts. I was thinking about how um, on Born Identity, Jason Bourne, I'm a movie guy. Jason Bourne, he, he wakes up in the very first one. You know, there's like 10 of them. But in the very first one, he wakes up and he doesn't know who he is. And he's trying to figure out, who am I? And why, why do I have a bullet in my chest? You know, why, like what happened? And he starts going backwards and he finds out he's a CIA agent and that, you know, he's been blacklisted and they're trying to get rid of him. They're trying to kill him and destroy all the evidence. And so what he has to do to survive is he has to find his way back to the CIA headquarters. Well, when he gets there, it's like one person is lurking behind a corner after another. Every time he turns a corner, there's another person. And what I heard God say is in your mind, there are thoughts lurking behind every single thing that's been confusing you. You've got to go in like Jason Bourne and you got to get your gun. You got to assassinate these thoughts. You got to take these thoughts out. You got to go Kung Fu on these thoughts and you got to stop letting these thoughts sit in your brain. If your brain is an apartment complex, you are renting your brain out to all the wrong tenants. You need to serve an eviction notice on every dark, confusing, demonic, tormenting thought. You're the director. You're the owner of the apartment complex. Go into your mind and say, no, not today, Satan. I'm not entertaining those accusations. I'm not entertaining that shame. I'm not entertaining those suspicions. I'm not entertaining those thoughts. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind for your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. In order to be alert, you have to have a sober mind and to have to have a sober mind. You have to take control of your thoughts. Second Timothy one verse seven says, God has not given you a spirit of confusion or intimidation, but of power, love and a sound mind. My dad used to stick his hand on my head because I was crazy as a kid. And I, y'all are like, really? We didn't, we didn't think that, but I was. And um, I was like Ren and Stimpy. Y'all remember that crazy cartoon, Ren and Stimpy? I was like, ah, you know. And my dad would stick his hand on my head and I'd be like, you know. And my dad would be like, peaceful Paul, peaceful Paul, peaceful Paul, peaceful Paul. Dad, why are you pushing me down? And he's like, Demons, I command you to come out of my child in Jesus' name. Now I know how he felt with my kids. Put your hand on your head for a second. Just say, I have the mind of Christ. I take captive every thought that's not from God, and I cast it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Number two, we got to confront our emotions. To confront confusion, you got to confront your thoughts, but you got to confront your emotions, your feelings. We hear, you know, from so many people, trust your heart, follow your heart. Whatever your heart tells you to do, whatever you feel like doing, do it. And I don't know about you, my heart can lead me in some crazy ways. 
my feelings do not always line up with the word of God. I do not always feel like walking in peace. I don't always feel like holding my tongue. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. And we live in a time where there's so much humanistic teaching that's going on. And, and if you're always consuming podcasts from people who aren't really teaching the word of God, and they're like these long form podcasts where it's three hours long and you're devouring it, you're like, oh, I love this. He says the F word about 5,000 times, but it's so good for my soul. It's feeding my feelings, man. It's setting me free from the legalistic toxicity of God's word. No, God's word sets you free from the crazy toxicity of this world. And listen, I'm not, I'm not against, <laughs> I gotta be careful. Just be careful how much you're consuming stuff that's not from God's word, because it'll feed your feelings and it will, you'll start agreeing with your feelings. You're like, man, I really feel like I should just give them a piece of my mind because this is what so-and-so said on his show, on his latest podcast, that I should just tell her off, that I should just go all in. I should just give it to the triggers of my feelings. I should just tell people what I feel. And this is what Jeremiah 17 verse nine says. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart will deceive you. Your feelings will deceive you. Your emotions will kill you if you give in to them. If I let my emotions rule me, I'm walking out. I'm walking out on people and places and things that I'm called to stay in. And I'm giving up on people, places, and things God's called me to be committed to. The heart will deceive you. The heart will make you think this is what's best for you. Proverbs 28 verse 26 says, whoever trusts in their own heart is foolish but whoever gets wisdom will be delivered. So I've got to confront my emotions and my feelings. I've got to see if it lines up with the word of God. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. Just because I'm emotionally uh, attached to something doesn't mean God's called me to be attached to that person or that thing. Just because my emotions are excited around someone doesn't mean that it's God's will for me in, to be in that friendship or that relationship. It might be toxic for my family. It might be unhealthy. I got to go to God's word. I got to get wisdom and not just let my feelings and emotions rule my behavior. Number three, to confront confusion, I've got to confront who or what externally is adding confusion. Who in my life or what on the outside? So we've, we've dealt with the inside. We've dealt with the thoughts, the emotions, the feelings. Let's deal with the people and the job, the environment, the routine, the exercise, the lack of exercise, the uh, the, the sources that could be adding confusion in our life. In Genesis 3, verse 1, God had put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said, you can have anything you want in this garden. Whatever you want, it's yours, except for this one tree over here. Don't take this tree. <laughs> and our eyes immediately go to the one thing he tells us we can't have. And so Eve is standing near the tree when all of a sudden in verse one, Genesis three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more confusing, crafty, deceptive than any of the wild animals. Satan thrives in confusion. If he can confuse you, he can manipulate you. And he says to the woman, did God really say, be careful hanging around people who say, did God really say, does God's word really matter in 2020? Are we really going to hold to these outdated? I like, but does God's, that's how the enemy works. 
He begins to deconstruct the foundation of our theology. And you know what? I've had enough of the confusing, ridiculous deconstruction. Like, I just want Jesus. I want his love. I want his peace. I want his forgiveness. I need Jesus. I am hopeless without Jesus. Oprah can't fix me. Dr. Phil can't fix me. CNN can't fix me. Drugs can't fix me. Alcohol can't fix me. There's zero addictions out there that are going to fix what my soul, my soul needs Jesus. Anyone else? You're here today because your soul needs Jesus. But if the enemy can deconstruct the idea that Jesus is the cure and get us to question, is he really the cure? Is his word really the standard? Don't you think you're being a little legalistic about this Bible stuff? And the serpent begins to question Eve. Did he really say you can't? And Eve answers with confidence. She has clarity, zero confusion in this moment. The first time someone begins to question you, typically you're able to answer with confidence. And that's when you need to just finish the conversation and move on. But we just keep on texting. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, and I am clear on this, I have no confusion around it. God did say we cannot do that. And then the serpent said this in the next verse. He said, no, God didn't mean it like that. Be careful who you're listening to. Confusion starts to come when we're listening to conflicting voices. When people start questioning, you get, you get clarity and confidence from God's word, and then all of a sudden you start listening to other people who are questioning it. God knows when you do this, your eyes are gonna be open. You'll finally be like God. You'll know good and evil. And verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, so it was a voice and it was a thing that caused her to go into confusion. Who or what externally is adding to the confusion in your life? Throughout the book of Proverbs, there's these two words that appear over and over. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Pay attention to where you're going. Pay attention to who you're looking at. Pay attention to where your feet step. Pay attention to what your hand touches. Pay attention to the voices that you're listening to. Pay attention to your friends. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Pay attention to your environment. Pay attention, my son. Pay attention, my daughter. Tie truth and grace around your neck. Wear it like a garment. Pay attention to what you're wearing. Pay attention to where you stand. Pay attention. Pay attention to what voices you're listening to. Because whatever you pay attention to, it's going to drive your life. Whoever has your attention, whatever has your attention will determine your direction. Whatever you're paying attention to will begin to drive the direction of your life. In Psalms 119, David cries out to God and he says, Lord, direct me in the paths of your commandments. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Turn my eyes from worthless things. And that's, that's an important prayer to pray because if we are looking in directions that we're not supposed to look, of course it's gonna begin to confuse us about the path God's called us to be on. David knew that the heart is deceptive. The eyes oftentimes get fixed. He, in fact, Proverbs says the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. When your eyes get locked in on something, you start to confusingly move away. This is why Hebrews chapter two, verse one says, pay attention to what you heard so that you don't drift away from the truth. We have to pay careful attention in a time where there's so many confusing voices. Even this morning, I opened my phone up 
and there's five different news articles. You got Bloomberg News, Apple News, CNN News, Politico News, Fox News, you know, all these news stations, and they all have their own agenda. They have their own spin. And I'm telling you, in the midst of all of that, we got to pay careful attention. What has God called me to be focused on? Who has God called me to be committed to, to invest in? Otherwise, I'm going to get confused and I'm going to waste time and I'm going to drift and go on a detour. The good news is if you're on a detour today, you're in the right place to get back on track and out of confusion and back on the path God's called you to be in. Before I move out of this one, I think about Elijah. Elijah was a man of God. He called fire down from heaven. He turned off the rain, turned on the rain. He was a prophetic voice. He had amazing, just miraculous power that flowed in his ministry. But one voice sent him into confusion. It was Jezebel. Jezebel was the queen of Israel at the time. Her husband, King Ahab, he followed whatever she wanted. She had manipulative control over him. If she wanted someone gone, he would say, do whatever you want. If she didn't like someone, they would annihilate them. It was crazy. They, were, they worked together. His insecurity and her control just formed a crazy storm over Israel. And all of a sudden, Jezebel calls out Elijah. She says, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming for you. And Elijah runs into the wilderness, confused, distracted, distorted, depleted, discouraged, and on a detour away from God's purpose for his life. God gets in Elijah's face and says, why did you run? I called you to confront the confusion. I did not call you to run from it. I called you to confront the spirit of intimidation. I called you to stand up to those thoughts, those feelings, those voices that are trying to confuse you. And Elijah goes back and he gets back off the detour and back on the plan and the purpose. I believe today God is redirecting someone's steps back to a place of confidence, back to a place of clarity, back to the purpose and the plan that God has for you. Before I move on, let me say this. Pay attention to your routine. Pay attention to your, uh, your daily, your weekly routine. How often are you getting outside? People who sit inside all day, every day on their phones, their laptops, their iPads, their TVs, it's, it's not healthy. We got to get outside and go for a walk. We got to get outside and do something with physical exercise. I've noticed this when I go for a walk and I take off my ear, you know, my, my, uh, my, what are these things called? Airpod, airbuds, airpods. <laughs> when I take those out, when I put my phone down and I just go for a walk, all of a sudden, I just get clarity. When I'm just outside going for a walk, going for a run. How many have felt that before? That's God designed our bodies. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we're not taking care of it, oftentimes we can slip into a place of confusion, mentally, emotionally, physically. And I just encourage you, pay attention to that. Number four, I want the keys to come out as I get ready to close. Stop and ask for help from the right people. That last part is the most important part. Don't just stop and ask for help. Stop and ask for help from the right people. <laughs> Have you ever asked for help from the wrong person? <laughs> and afterwards you realized you're the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> you're the wrong girl to listen to on this. When Ashley and I, we were dating, we had known each other our, our whole life. We grew up in church together and loved, loved each other so much. We needed help. We, we needed help in so many ways. And, uh, and we were asking our friends, hey, what should we do here? You know, and asking like 17-year-old 
guys and girls like, hey, what do you think like marriage is supposed to be like? Give us some wisdom and advice on marriage. They're like, I know everything about marriage. You know, I'm 17 years old. I know everything. 18. <laughs> no, no friends that are sitting in church today, just other people. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, trying to give us wisdom and advice because, you know, they're 17 years old and they know it all. It wasn't good. And we've quickly realized we need to talk to someone who's walked this road. So we reached out to a couple that was 20 years past our age that had raised kids and celebrating their, their anniversary of being committed, faithfully being committed. And I started realizing when you ask the right people for help, man, it just begins to give you so much clarity where there's confusion. The right person can actually help set you free from a confusing decision you're about to make. Some of us are more loyal to the wrong voices than we are to the right voices in our life. Man, I, I think about the people. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says this. The way of fools seems right in their own eyes, but the wise woman, the wise man listens to advice. The wise father gets advice. The wise mother gets advice. The wise son, the wise daughter gets advice. Presidents have cabinets. They have vice presidents. They have people that speak into them. Woe to the leaders that reject counsel from their advisors. Woe to the fathers. Warning to the, to the people in the room who reject counsel, who push away advisors, who say, I know what to do. I've got it figured out. I'm a self-made man. I'm independent. No one can tell me what to do. I'm not listening to anyone. Woe to those who reject counsel. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, you are sure to succeed. Getting counsel is so important. In 1 Kings 12, there was a young king named Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. He was set to succeed. He had money, he had resources, he had advisors, he had people. And there was two commandments. They said, seek God and get wise counsel and you will succeed in everything you do. So he started out seeking God. Then he started out getting wise counsel from the older people that had served under his dad, that understood the times, they understood what to do. But then he made a mistake. He didn't like what those older guys said. So he went to his buddies that were 16, 17, 18 years old because he was a young king. He was a teenage king. And he said, what do you guys think I should do? You guys are so smart. You guys know everything. Tell me what to do. And they were like, here's what you need to do, Rehoboam. You need to work everyone really hard. It's a crazy chapter. His, his close friends, they end up destroying the kingdom because they gave him the wrong advice. And he lost his kingdom within the next year. His plans didn't succeed all because he was listening to the wrong counsel. Why do we not pull over and ask for help? Why do we have such a hard time asking for directions, asking for guidance? Could it be pride? Could it be we don't wanna be a burden upon people? Today, if we're gonna break confusion, we've got to invite wise counsel. You could do that by getting in a connect group this week. You could do that by inviting a pastor, a leader in this church to speak into a decision you're going to make, to pray, to give you wisdom, to ask, hey, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And I would ask this, what kind of story do you want to tell your grandkids someday? What kind of story do you want to tell? What kind of story do you want them to tell when you're gone? Whatever that decision is. Number five, final point here. To break confusion, we have to come under God's authority. Come under God's authority. James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
in order for the devil to flee, in order for the confusion to flee, the ultimate act is surrender. Divine direction comes from unconditional surrender. Divine clarity comes from unconditional surrender. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Lean not to your own intellect, your own understanding, your own ideas, your own opinions, your demands to God. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will make the path unmistakably clear. He will bring clarity where there's been confusion about, do I go to this school? Do I put my kids here? Do I stay in this church? Do I read this? Do I follow this? Do I marry this girl? Do we, do we move forward in the relationship? Do I let my friends, do I let my kids hang out with these friends? Whatever the question is, prayer is the cure for a confused mind. Surrender to God is the cure for a weary soul, a broken heart. God is the reason we can smile during the saddest seasons in our life. Even in confusion, we can get understanding. Even in betrayal, we can learn to trust again. In pain, we can learn to love again. Only when we come under God's authority. When I come to this stage, oftentimes, I will just come right here. And I will just come under this pulpit. And I will say, God, I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your clarity. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. God, I need your peace in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my feelings, in these relationships, in this job, as a dad, as a husband. I need you. Lord, I need you. God delights in surrender. God's more attracted to our surrender than he is our success. There are no achievements I have made in my life where God's like, oh, that's amazing. I'm so attracted to that. You are so impressive. You impressed me so much. You, you awesome, impressive dude. <gasps> God's not impressed with multimillionaires. He's not impressed with pastors. He's not impressed with buildings. He's impressed with surrender. He's like, you know what I love about you, Paul? This right here. God wants to help us. My kids this last week, they, they came home from school and they said, Daddy, what's the plan tonight? I started to tell them the plan. They said, now hold on. We were planning to do this. Liam is really stuck on the first thing you tell him that we got to stick to it. He said, now, why are we changing the plan? I said, because we changed the plan. That's, that's the bottom line. We changed the plan. But why? I felt we were going to do this. He starts having a meltdown. He starts crying. He said, we, we were going to do this. I said, Liam, daddy knows best. What he didn't know is he was going to get to go to his cousin's birthday party. And he was going to get to hang out. He was going to get to have some fun. And I said, the plans changed because I know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for you. Your daddy knows what's best for you. And if your daddy's changing the plans, it's because he has something better than what you were planning to do. If your daddy's changing the plans, it's because he has someone better. But to come under God's authority, I have to bring all of my plans and my demands because unconditional surrender says, even if you tell me that I don't get to do what I really want to do, even if you contradict my desires and my dreams and the thing that I thought I was going to do. 
Not my will. Thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. So back to the rafting trip. I told you I would finish on it. The rafting guide said, let's get in the raft. Sure enough, we get in there. An hour goes in. The rapids are getting crazy. I'm ready to jump out. Don't jump out. Don't jump out. It's crazy out here. Yeah, but stay in the raft. Trust me, I got you. Not only are we going to survive, we're going to thrive through this. I said, okay. So, you know, we're going down the river. We're getting close to this cliff, and it's got these rocks that are sharp, pointed right where the raft would hit. Pop it. And he said, this is where a lot of people drown and die. I was like, so that's not going to happen to us, right? He goes, do you trust me? I was like, yes, Aladdin, I trust you. (laughs) Is this a magic carpet ride? You know, he's like, do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. He said, then just do what I say. Do what I say. Do what I say. I was like, okay. So we're getting closer. And I said, we're about to hit this thing. We're about to hit this thing. My wife's like, we are about to hit this thing. Honey, get your paddle. And I'm like, I know. And I'm like trying to paddle. And he's like, not yet, not yet now. And all of a sudden he's like, paddle left, paddle left. And we, you know, avoided that sharp thing, but we avoided it by one foot. We could have died in that moment. Our lives were flashing before our eyes. Who's going to raise our kids? What's going to happen? And he said, why did you freak out? I said, because that was scary. You waited until the last second. He said, if I would have done it earlier, you didn't know if we would have tried to turn sooner, there was boulders back there that would have flipped us. And we all would have been in the river trying to find our way back. But because we waited till the last second, we avoided that. And it stirred the passion in you to paddle like crazy, to make sure that we didn't crash. You wouldn't have paddled that hard. Had you not been that close to crashing? I was like, you are crazy. He said, yeah, I got you. Maybe in 2020, maybe we're learning how to paddle. Maybe we're learning how to trust the guide. Maybe it is confusing. I know it's confusing for me this year. I'm like, I think I know what I'm doing, but I don't. But Holy Spirit, help me. James chapter one says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives it freely to anyone who asks. And I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for people right now who are dealing with confusion, who are just feeling confused about decisions, about seasons, situations, why you're here, why you're in that job, what's going on with your kids, what's going on with your spouse, what's going on with your family, your father, your mother. If you would stand up, I want to close out with prayer right now. There's this song we used to sing when we were little and uh, my parents would play Salty, the songbook for for me and John. How many of y'all remember Salty? Y'all remember Salty, the blue guy walks out in like a blue Bible and he would come out and he would sing, hey, boys and girls, and he'd sing songs. And there's this one song he used to sing that I still sing when I'm confused. It's one of my favorite songs. And it just goes like this. I will cast all my cares upon you. And I'll lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time I don't know what to do, I'll just cast all my cares upon you. First Peter 5 says, cast your anxiety on him. Cast your confusion on him. God can handle it. Bring the, the, the cares, the worries about the future, the financial worries, the, the relational worries, the 
Even the torment you walked into church with today, God says, cast it on me. I got you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're, if you're just having to overcome confusion over something right now or some person, some situation, some relationship, if, if you just feel like confusion has been trying to mess with your mind or your heart, your emotions, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. Yeah, all over this room. I'm going to ask you to do something because I think it's part of confronting confusion. I think taking a step from your seat and coming down to this altar, if you feel comfortable to do that, would you just leave your seat? There's something about a physical, natural action combined with the spiritual belief that God can break that spirit off of your mind. I've found that when I do something in the natural and I combine it with something in the supernatural, when I begin to pray and I begin to walk, when I begin to worship and I begin to run, when I go down to the altar and I get on my knees and I begin to confess to the Lord my sins, my cares, my anxieties, there's something combined with the, the physical and the supernatural, the spiritual, where God begins to work. He begins to dispel the confusion. He begins to break the anxiety. He begins to dismantle the strongholds that have been set up over your mind, that have been wreaking havoc on your trustability and the people around you. He's, he's beginning to break the insecurities, the inadequacies, the fear the confusion in Jesus name. Lord, I just pray for every man, every woman, every marriage, every family, every father, every mother, every son, every daughter, that today is a day of freedom, freedom from the lies of the enemy, freedom, God, in their thoughts, freedom in their hearts. Let's just begin to worship. Go ahead. Let's just sing this to the Lord. Yeah, just close your eyes and say, God, I need your peace. Lord, I need your wisdom in this age of outrage. God, I need you to break the confusion. decision you have to make. Wisdom, God. Clarity. To know when, to know how, to know what, God. To know who. In Jesus' name. Confusion has to go. Confusion in the feelings. Confusion in the emotions. Confusion in the thoughts. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you that he has the mind of Christ. The helmet of salvation. You are peace, God. You are peace when the fear takes hold. You're not going to die in this. You're not going to lose in this. You're not going to be defeated in this. He says, stay in. I promised you we're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. That's who you are. In Jesus' name. That's who you are. You are peace Peace when my thoughts take war. Peace to the anxious heart. That's who you 
Put your hand on your mind right now and just say, confusion, you got to go. I have the mind of Christ. Put your hand on your heart. Say, anxiety, you've got to go. I'm a child of God. I will not live in confusion or anxiety. I will live in peace. I will have a sound mind. Now just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I cast my cares upon you. I ask for your wisdom. I ask for your help. God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I come under your authority. Be my Lord and my Savior. Rescue me from this confusion. Holy Spirit, guide me into truth, clarity. I will walk in clarity, in confidence. I will know who I am and what you've called me to do. No more confusion. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Come on, today, God's setting someone free from that.